Welcome back. You're listening to The Fringe Following. I'm your host, Lucina, sitting in for Michelle today. Uh, today's date is December 7th, 2020. And the title of today's episode is, Is Donald Trump Standing Between Worldwide Communism and Our Freedom? A 50,000-foot view of how both the 2016 and 2020 election tie into the Great Reset. Now, if you've been paying attention, um, you've probably, which many of us have been, we know that there is so much going on around the election, and there's reasons why it's not not over yet. And one of the biggest things we're really going to focus on today is what's going on worldwide to signal to us that, you know, the deep state, the people pulling the strings, the people behind the green curtain, if you will, the people we don't actually know, how they are um, manipulating this whole entire scenario, but they are allowing their plans to play out in other countries around the world. And why does that matter? Well, I think the biggest um, reason that matters is because we have uh, a president a president who has been doing nothing but fighting for us for the last four years. And the moment that he ran in 2015, uh, you know, all all attacks were on him. They did everything they could to stop him from getting in. And that, you know, when I when uh, Hillary Clinton was running, I had didn't have a lot of great feelings about her, not just because she runs for a party where I don't agree with a lot of um, of the things that they agree with. Um, and it's not really necessarily about that. I just was concerned about her run. and I I felt, that it was mainly predicated on the fact that she was a woman. And, you know, being a woman, I find that insulting because <laughs> I, I don't want to be chosen to do a job or to be in a position based on the fact that I'm female or whatever. I, what I really would, what I really care about is, are you qualified are you the right person to do the job? And I really felt that when she did step into the presidential race, that it was all about, oh, the first female president, right? Uh, Just like Barack Obama, the first black president. I would say, well, that's really great and all, but I don't think that's a qualifying factor. And I was always, I was being called racist just for saying, I don't think voting for someone based on their skin color or their, um, you know, their gender is really, uh, a good qualifying factor. And so I would get all called all kinds of names and stuff, but you know, it, it didn't really matter to me because I felt that that is a pretty good question to ask. Like, is that the qualifying factor? And so why does her stepping into the race matter? Because I believe, you know, I don't believe that she is, or, you know, specific individuals are necessarily behind all of the, you know, the new world order, the great reset and all that kind of stuff. I do believe that many of the people we see in the public eye and have been, you know, we see that they've probably been caught for certain crimes. I'm not really sure. We, we don't know really what's going to play out there. Um, I believe many of them were somehow uh, blackmailed, if you will, uh, into doing this work, this dirty work for, for the deep state. And what's really important to know about the deep state and how deep it goes is that the people, the elite, the people who are really calling the shots there and want total control they are people that we don't really know. We don't hear about, we don't know their names. They're not in the public eye and they want it that way. So they've got all these other people running around doing their dirty work because they've been blackmailed. And, you know, another thought on that, I mean, I think that uh, Jeffrey Epstein's Island was also, um, it was, I believe it was a staging point for blackmail. I think that's what the whole purpose of that was. And, you know, I think that Jeffrey Epstein was promised all kinds of, you know, freedom kind of to do what he wanted to and things like that. And, you know, he didn't really serve a jail sentence. He was allowed out 12 hours a day and things like that. Um, but the people, the high level people that were connected there, uh, that we have images of, that we have flight records on, 
they are people that were blackmailed into doing some of their to do into doing some of their dirty work. So uh, we don't really know who the people are that are standing behind all of this at the very top. Okay, and it's really important to remember that. So they do have an agenda, and that's what we're here to talk about. And when Donald Trump ran for you know, president in 2015, I instantly turned to my husband and said, this is the only, like, this is how we're going to win. I mean, this is how he's going to win. And that's just the bottom line. And my husband wasn't sure he was kind of a Ted Cruz guy and he kind of doubted Donald Trump, but I just had this overwhelming, you know, feeling with his, you know, influence, his, you know, popularity, and his, his financial backing, um, and just some of the speeches, especially that he was giving in the beginning. And if you go back and listen to some of those speeches, you can, I really today, like when I do that, I get my hair stands up because I see what he's taught, what he was talking about then and how it's playing out right now. And so when we look at what happened throughout the last four years, we know that every single fiery dart and arrow was thrown at him. And, um, so much division came out of that as well, too. It's just been really messy and you have to wonder, I mean, wouldn't that to me, that always signaled, what is it that would make every single news station, every, you know, it just seemed like everywhere you went or, different places around the world, people would be like, you know, they would loathe Donald Trump. Whereas before he ran for president, he was, you know, great. Everyone loved him. They stayed at his hotels, they whatever. And so I always thought that was interesting. And I even thought back and remembered, you know, when he went on Oprah and it just seemed that, you know, people like Oprah and, and other individuals were very interested and concerned in whether or not he was going to run for office. And it's always interesting to go back and watch and listen to that stuff because they, they seemed genuinely concerned about that. And here's what I think. I think it's because he didn't, you know, he was self-made and he worked his butt off and he didn't need the deep state or their funding or their resources and their blackmail to to make his way up, and he just wasn't one of them. And he lo- always, it was very apparent to me that he always loved his country. He always, he still today, he's fiercely loyal to it. He's defending the Constitution, which affects everybody, and he is constantly out there fighting, like the personality of this man or not. We can all agree on the Constitution. If you love freedom, that's where the Constitution defines what that freedom is and what the powers of government are. And here's what's really interesting. So as we look at, we take a big look at the election, well, we know it's still not finalized, and I truly believe that it's going to end up in the Supreme Court. It is starting to turn in, you know, in Trump's favor, but you know, you do have a couple of key states that are refusing to do what needs to be done. But that's why it'll end up in the Supreme Court, because not everyone's playing nice or even the states that have shown, okay, it is in Trump's favor. um, They are already starting to find ways to walk back. And what we're really seeing here is major deep state interference. We're not seeing who those individuals are. We're just seeing all their bad actors, their players that they have out there on the stage doing their dirty work because, you know, if you think back, they, they thought they had Hillary Clinton or her election in the bag because of her, the fact that she was female and there was this huge feminist movement and things like that. And they thought, oh yeah, we've got this. And then what was going to happen was, is they were going to have wars so they could justify a reset. And if you look back in history, whenever there's been a major war, they reset and start all over again. But this time it was going to be much bigger on a much grander scale. And the U.S. was going to be part of that. But, you know, if you notice some of the things that Trump's been doing in his presidency, and one of them has been to end those wars, to pull our troops out of the Middle East, 
those are all key key um, elements there because he didn't want to continue on with war. He wanted peace. He wanted to establish peace because he knew that he didn't want to give them any way that they could start a war. So they didn't have the wars. So they had to kind of go to plan B. And I don't believe that this was kind of like something that was just planned over, um, you know, Donald Trump's presidency. I believe this plan was put in place quite some time ago as a sort of a contingency plan. Um, and I'm talking, when I say this, I'm talking mainly about the pandemic. And I know a lot of people still have varying um, thoughts and ideas and different experiences with it. But as time goes on, I believe many of our eyes have been opened and it's become more of a reason to control people, to, um, you know, put, you know, to close down small businesses and to, you know, to exercise that, that, um, communist control or that totalitarian control that they want to have over the entire world. And again, when I say they, I'm talking about those people who are sitting behind the curtains, pulling the strings, but we don't know who they are. Okay. And they are definitely using their dictators out there. And what's interesting about that is while we're looking at the dictators and we're watching them, you know, play their moves, we're still not seeing who's really behind it all. And I think they want it that way. They don't want to be drawn out of the shadows. They, they don't want, they want to operate the way they're operating. So these people are kind of, like I said, they're blackmailed, they're distractions, they're promised all kinds of things. Um, in the end, that kind of stuff, you know, just like the movies, it doesn't last very long, but you know, and I do see it all falling apart bit by bit, especially in the U S unfortunately around the world. Um, and we can take a page out of what's happening around the world and see how Donald Trump is definitely standing between, you know, total world communism or control and our freedom. And so first things first, we want to look at a couple of things. So, um, we, we know that Bill Gates has talked a lot about his, you know, depopulation agenda. And, you know, it's so interesting when you look at his speech on that and all the choices he's making and how he's really out there champion, championing this vaccine and um, just really hardcore on, on that. And so he's really on population control, which I'm pretty sure, you know, um, and he's got a lot of money and time invested in that. And that's what you have to remember is some of the most powerful people in the world that we even know about when we see their names involved, they have money invested in this domination and control, and they all have a piece in it and a part in it. Sometimes I feel like there's a little bit of um, competition, though, like who's going to outdo the other? Um, who's going to have the best plan and make it work? And I think that I find that very interesting. And it's just it's something I'm going to put on the back burner and, and continue to watch. And maybe you might want to do that, too. But going back to his population control, if you go on the UN's website, um, it says, you know, if you scroll down, there's some tiles of different global issues. And one of the first global issues happens to be by 2050, one in six people in the world will be a over age 65. And they call this an aging issue. And I thought to myself, but you know, isn't aging a normal part of life? And of course it is. I mean, I had um, my great grandmothers, both of them lived until they were 96. And my grandparents, most of them have moved on, but they were kind of, you know, 70s, 80s. Um, one of, you know, my one grandmother, she passed away in her 60s. And oddly, my father unexpectedly passed away at age 68. And we've also seen with the pandemic and the lockdowns and things like that, that who was the most, who were the most vulnerable and who were the ones that had the highest death tolls? Well, unfortunately it was the elderly. So when you see this stuff on their websites, you know, it's really them projecting what they are doing and have been doing and what their plan is but they don't, they'll never come out and say, oh, well, this is our plan and this is what we're doing right now. 
they package it in this, well, we need to be, you know, aware of this and we need to find resources and create, you know, we're going to have these conferences and we talk about all these issues and how we're going to handle aging. What they're really saying is, you know, and you have to learn to read between the lines when you see this stuff. It's not because I'm, you know, a conspiracy theorist and boy, they just love throwing that, that around out there. I'm taking what they're saying and I'm looking at what's happening and I'm tying it all together and seeing it as total projection. And they always use propaganda to make things sound good. And that's what we really have to remember is that propaganda sounds nice. It looks great, but it loses its flame after a while. And I think they're getting smarter with how they're wording things, but I don't think they're that I don't think they're that smart at this point because what I'm seeing is a lot of panic. I'm seeing them move forward with their great reset plans um, at a much faster pace than they wanted to. Because if you remember, they've been talking about Agenda 2030 for a while. This is not new. Agenda 2030 is total control of the entire planet where, you know, basically your property and they call the shots, you're the product, and they are still making the money at the top. So they definitely want to get rid of elderly people and aging and things like that for what whatever reason, okay? Some of it, I think, has to do with the um, aging population being maybe more conservative, more patriotic, more wisdom from the past, learning from history. I think they just want to wipe out history altogether, which goes really well in line with communism. If you look at communism, communism hates history and truth. Communism hates God and traditions. Communism hates people getting together and banding together and, and, you know, being with each other. Um, communism doesn't favor any type of freedom, happiness, or love, because if you look at it, it's just pure evil. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. So moving on from the UN, and you can go to the UN site and you just take a look around and you kind of see what they're saying on different issues and how it plays in with um, what we've been seeing, especially over this past year. All right. So um, the next thing here uh, is a little bit more on the Great Reset now. So if you go to the World Economic Forum website, again, all these links will be in the description box. Um, here we have Mr. Klaus Schwab, who's really into um, the Great Reset um, agenda. He's got a podcast all about it. He's really a champion of the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Um, and here's what his quote says. He says, the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. Again, why do we need to be reset? Well, there's a lot of reasons why. First of all, you know, there's, um, you know, so much going on within the financial world and the central bank system that they just it's just a big bubble that's going to explode and in it's really on it's hanging by the fringe right now um, and by threads so what they're hoping to do with that is to just if they have control then they can maintain their wealth and not have to worry um, and they can just just have control and, and sit above everyone else uh, i'm sure there's a lot more to it and of course we invite more comments and thoughts on that uh, so please feel free to leave that because I'm always interested in what other people have to say. But here's a little paragraph above what um, they're saying, <clears throat> what they're saying above here, uh, or his quote on the World Economic Forum Forum.org site. Um, so here's the third and final priority of a Great Reset agenda is to harness the innovations of the fourth industrial revolution to support the public good especially by addressing health and social challenges. During the COVID-19 crisis, companies, universities, and others have joined forces to develop diagnostics, therapeutics, and possible vaccines, establish, establish testing centers, create mechanisms for tracing infections, and deliver telemedicine. Imagine what could be possible if similar concerted efforts were made in every, in every sector. So 
And, you know, I kind of saw this earlier on with the telemedicine and these established testing centers and things like that. Like they're using this, they're using COVID to push their agenda for forward um, in so many different ways, but they package it and make it sound so good. Um, but what have we learned with looking at the last, you know, 11 months, 10 or 11 months of this pandemic. And what's really interesting now is their narrative is so different compared to back in February and in March, where in February and March, oh, the bodies are piling up, the hospitals are full, people are dying left, right, and center, um, et cetera, et cetera, kind of goes on from there. And right now, they're not really focusing so much on deaths and things like that. They're focusing more on um, cases. And I believe the whole thing with cases, well, how do we know if you have COVID? Um, we need to test for that. And they're getting very forceful with it, especially if anyone has done any traveling. I mean, I'm here in Italy. You know, um, some people are required in some countries require, you know, testing and things like that. And if you do take a plane, you, you have to test or, you know, quarantine for 14 days. And so they have this forced testing. And what's really weird is that the majority, and I don't think it's not, not so weird if you really look at actual science, those PCR tests are actually not um, to there to test a virus. And I think some stuff has been released on that recently. You know, the, the people who created it, it was, it's never, it was never created to contract a virus. And they even said that, um, because a virus is dead, um, <clears throat> once it gets into a body. Okay. And so the test was not there to pick up, um, the virus. And, you know, people know this, these leaders know that these tests don't, they're not there for that. And it, it makes me wonder if it's such a deadly pandemic, why are there so many negatives? And then why are there, there's, why are there so many false positives? And why is it in Africa when they tested a fruit or, and a sheep and a human being that you had positive tests from, from all three of those and other stuff that they tested? It's because the test will pick something up, but it's not necessarily picking up a virus. It's designed to pick something up, but doesn't necessarily pick up a virus and it wasn't designed for viruses. So they're using tests that aren't meant for testing the virus. You think they don't know that? Come on. And they don't want people realizing that either. And so you can go look all that stuff up and I'll link to the PCR tests as well. So you can take a look and maybe follow your own little rabbit hole on that. Um, and so they kind of go on on the World Economic Forum. The COVID, the COVID crisis is affecting every facet of people's lives in every corner of the world. And um, But tragedy need not be its only legacy. <laughs> okay. So again, um, Klaus Schwab believes this you know, um, presents a rare but narrow opportunity. Tragedy doesn't need to be its like its only legacy. Unfortunately, Mr. Schwab and the people at World Economic Forum, it has had nothing but tragic outcomes for people in ways unimaginable. And they're somehow what they're doing is they're tying it all in to reimagining, resetting our world to create healthier, more equitable, and more prosperous future. But who is going to prosper in this future? Who's going to benefit? Who's going to be healthier? Well, first of all, it's not healthy or normal for us to be isolated from each other, from our families, our friends. Um, it's not normal to meet with a doctor over, uh, you know, over a zoom call, but it's becoming the norm or doing, you know, tell us stuff. Like I, I got my physical therapy recommendation over the phone from a physical therapist because I couldn't go into the clinic at that time. I thought that was so weird and knew that this all tied into what they want to do and how everything's being reformed. And what's really interesting too, if you're on Facebook, I get a million ads for all these different like at home things, like for example, dental stuff. Like you can, 
you know, all these dental tools that you can do at home because this is what they want. They, they don't want, um, you know, people out there, um, you know, interacting with each other. They want to control everything you're doing. Everything is self done or someone's going to tell you over a phone or a computer, what they think and, you know, things like that. And, and that just presents a whole host of problems because you can't possibly know in every situation what is going on with a person or a patient if you can't properly examine them and test them for something, whatever their, <clears throat> whatever their health concerns are. And so their, their great reset is, you know, they want to shape economic recovery. Well, how do you think they're going to shape economic recovery? Okay. First things first. It's their universal income benefit um, or income, sorry, universal basic in income is what they want, what they're trying to push. And it's already started in some countries um, It started way before, well before the pandemic. I think about, you know, in Italy, the universal basic income actually started in January, 2019. So they were already putting that in place here and they they have, interestingly, they have very communist leadership here. It just looks, you know, more like socialism, because, but it's not what we think it is. Italians don't actually have a voice in their elections. And that, to me, is communism. They, they don't get to choose. They, other people have decided who goes in to office. And that has, you know, so Italians don't really have a voice, to me, that's communism. And they say they're a socialist republic. And I would, you know, after, you know, through living here, I would say it's pretty socialist, you know, especially with what, how they handled the pandemic here and how they're still handling it. And we'll get a little bit into that in just a moment. But the universal basic income is something that they're trying to um, talk about everywhere and get into people's minds. So really, what is it? It's a government program where every adult citizen receives a certain amount of money on a regular basis. So you're just going to receive a certain amount of money and no strings attached. Well, of course there are. They make it sound so good. And what they said here on Investopedia um, is the idea of providing a basic income to all members of society goes back centuries. The 16th century English philosopher and statesman Thomas More mentions the idea in his best known work, Utopia. I read that book and it has socialism written all over it. And, you know, you give up everything and everyone just kind of does their part and we're all, it just seemed very robotic. It didn't seem you know, like there was no incentive to achieve or to grow or to be yourself. There was no individuality um, and everything was controlled by this system. Well, it doesn't matter, you know, really it, it doesn't come down to what you believe, you know, when it comes to, you know, faith and Christianity or what your spiritual beliefs are necessarily. But if you just look at yourself or look at the people you know, or just look at humanity in general, we're not created I don't believe that we were created to be um, these little minions being controlled by other people and that we're all supposed to be the same and that no one's allowed to have freedom of speech or no one's allowed to, um, you know, be who they want to be and, you know, achieve different levels of success. Um some people argue, well, this would be really nice. You know, I'd have it. So it'd be so much easier for me. And it's like, unfortunately, this comes at a cost. They're not just going to hand over this money right now. They're doing that. Yes. But do you really think it's an accident that they're, they want to push this universal basic income, but they've also got these other things tied in with COVID and, you know, vaccinations and things like that. No, it's not an accident because they have more plans for that. I believe that the people who are receiving any type of universal basic income right now, uh, they're fine, but in the future, it's going to be, well, in order to keep receiving this, you're going to need to do A, B, and C. And I have some ideas about that. You know, and again, a lot of things are like, let's just wait and see. But as a patriot, uh, we can't really sit back and wait to see what happens. We can look out at the world and see what's happening right now. 
to see what their plans are for everyone. It's not just for Europeans. Uh, it's not just for cert. It's not, it's not just for one region or country. It's for the entire world. And they needed the U.S. in order to make their plans complete. But then came Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is standing between communism and freedom for us right now. Whether you like the guy or not, whether you agree with everything, you, you got to know that right now with, um, if you take a look at, um, you know, Joe Biden, for example, he's not involved at all in what's going on. He didn't do any campaigning. He didn't, you know, he's not out there saying, yeah, let's make sure that these results are accurate and fair. That should concern every single person that voted for his party. Um, it's not because I'm out here trying to attack him or anything like that. But the fact that he's just locked up in his basement again, doing whatever he's doing and just sort of not saying a word about it. They're actually, all they're doing is saying, oh yeah, well, he won and he's going along with it. That's what the media is saying. The media is saying, oh, he won. They're de they declared him as the winner and he's just going along with it, playing his part as the puppet and not coming out and speaking up against or about anything. And he and Kamala Harris are just out there. They're talking about their plans. They're acting as if they've been voted in. I mean, that to anyone who voted for that party should really be a huge red flag. I don't feel in this election, I felt that to me, well, people, a lot of people were making it about Democrat or Republican. I don't believe that's where Donald Trump stood on the whole thing. He just is a part of a big party. A lot of what the Republican party says they stand for resonates with him. But for him, I believe it goes back to the founding fathers where this is a fight between tyranny and freedom. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the, the push and the pull between tyranny and freedom. And as we look at other countries and see what they're moving ahead with, um, with this guaranteed universal basic income, I don't, for the U, I don't know what it is here, you know, numbers wise, but in the U.S., um, the whole idea was about $1,000 a month or $1,200 a month. And then, you know, Bernie Sanders said, I think it should be $2,000 a month. Well, thank you so much, Bernie, for that nice raise. But again, it doesn't come without a cost. It doesn't come without giving stuff up. And that is part of their plan um, as well. And they've put some of those messages out there. Their Agenda 2030 videos and things like that that are really difficult to find now. They don't want people catching on to this, but it's so weird because they put it out there and then they retract it. And I think it has a lot to do with them seeing what's going to play out. I think they're just moving ahead as if Joe Biden has won, but I also believe that they know there's a really good chance um, that the scales are going to continue to tip in Trump's favor because if we take a look at the level of election and voter fraud, it, basically it was committed like 30 or more ways to Sunday um, on just these insane levels. And as more patriots and people continue to come forth and these, this evidence continues to be out there, um, people are catching wind. The sad part about this is that we have a, mainstream media is not reporting on any of this stuff that's going on. And it's, you know, they are sort of like changing their tune a little bit, but they also, um, but not, not fully because they know, well, we can't really hide this. We can't, you know, pretend it doesn't exist now because people are starting to see it. So we, we're going to acknowledge it, but they're still playing it off as nothing. Right. And it's the same thing with the great reset. They're putting this out there. That's on podcasts. We have podcasts talking about the fourth industrial revolution, you know, we have we had Justin Trudeau come out and talk about the Great Reset and starting over again. And then we had uh, the Queen of England. She came out and said, talked about resetting the world to zero and starting all over. And they did this all in the month of October, which I thought was really interesting. It was within weeks of the election. And interestingly, when I look back as well to October, 
Italy put in some additional restrictions. We're not really in a lockdown here, but I mean, everything is so limited that you might as well be in a lockdown. And so, um, back in October, they started to cut jobs on the military base here. So, and that was mainly for the Italians. So they started to cut their jobs. All right. They started to close down or limit certain departments. Like for example, the deli in the grocery store, they operated six days a week and that's when the grocery store is open six days a week. And now they're down to two days a week, but they announced that back in, in late October. So do you think the people, and they're all Italians that work there. So you think the people working in the, you know, deli bakery area, you think they're all able to feed their families off of, you know, and through sharing two days a week of hours. No, they're, they're on the government's doorstep now asking for work or money, pardon me. And Another thing that happened last week, which I thought was really interesting as well, too, is they cut, they, uh, my physical therapy clinic contacted me and said that all the Americans um, have administrative problems and therefore the physical therapy has to stop right now. And we don't know why this has never happened in all the years that we've dealt with the base. And what's really sad about that is I feel that they're cutting them off because they do make some pretty good money and um, it's going to cause them to need government support, um, on a, you know, maybe on a higher level or on a, on a regular basis. And the worst part about that is, is that we pay for that through our insurance, right? Now it may get reinstituted. I really don't know what's happening there. They're totally confused. I'm not, I can see the writing on the wall, um, I've talked to my physical therapist before and, uh, you know, just cause she has some friends who work at the local hospital, she believes it's just, it's just so deadly and awful. And we have so much to fear and worry about. I just don't share that sentiment whatsoever, but it's, it's understandable because of the messaging has just been repeated and repeated over and over again. Um, so they're, they're really pushing that forward here. And the reason they are is for example, Italy's been bailed out by other countries so many times, but they're not, they have instituted some crazy laws here. Like back in October as well, uh, they also shut down. Well, they haven't shut down, but they told the restaurants that they couldn't stay open past 6 PM. And that's another major thing here because evening dining is a big part of their culture. They're not big breakfast people. They're not, you know, they're not big lunch people. They don't go out and eat lunch. Uh, dinner is where they make, where these restaurants make their money. And that's where the restaurants get full and busy. And culturally, uh, that that's, that's huge. And especially going into a holiday season. Now these restaurants, you know, lost all this, you have lost all this money for, you know, holiday dinners and, you know, things like that, but just their regular, their regular income. And, you know, that's just super, that's just really sad. And it's been that way now for over a month and a half, but that happened also in October, which was weeks before the election. And it makes you wonder, was that just coordinated that they thought, oh, well, uh, you know, we're going to have the person that we need in place in the U S so we're just going to roll out our plans. I think they're just going to roll out their plans no matter what. I do believe Donald Trump is slowing some things down for other countries and just might still. But um, uh, unfortunately, I think they're kind of, these countries are kind of on their own and the people's rights have been totally trampled on. So again, it's going to cause these restaurant owners to be on the government's doorstep for that universal basic income. And it's just going to keep happening. They're shutting them down, cutting them off in any way possible. And basically we're at this point now here in Italy where the businesses that are open, if they are open past 8 PM are basically pharmacies and grocery stores and, um, you know, any other businesses that are, oh, and sorry, weekends as well. So the malls and a lot of the retail stores, they are closed on weekends. They're trying to tell us that this is all because of a pandemic, this is all because it's so deadly, right? Well, um, 
I think we're at this point now where there's just so much going on that doesn't make sense, that doesn't make sense when it comes to a deadly virus. Another good example is my husband and I, we're not able to go and shop in the same store together. I mean, now it's just getting beyond ridiculous. And we have to start looking at all these these things that, you know, we have governors in the U.S. who are putting some, you know, dictatorship type you know, controls in place. And it kind of, it's coming down to rules for thee, not for me. It's been, been that way throughout the whole pandemic, but you know, uh, governor Newsom got caught with, you know, going out to a restaurant that with a group of people, um, and 12, a $12,000 bill for that one time that he got caught. So the taxpayers are paying for him and his people to go out and be together while they break the rules that they put in place. And you know, my, you know, listeners, this is what communism looks like. It's, it is rules for thee, not for me. You're out there, we're controlling you, but we benefit from that somehow. It's all on your backs. It's all on all of that. And if you look at communism as well, you know, there's always people at the top in control. And what I always find interesting, if we look at the Soviet Union, um, for example, they had the uh, moderate or the minority group of the Mensheviks who opposed Lenin's Bolsheviks, the majority plan for social socialist revolution before capitalism. Why? I mean, you got to look at it. They're always attacking capitalism because capitalism allows people, and I'm talking about good capitalism, capitalism that allows me or you or the people we know to create a product or a service or a business around a need and or, or whatever. We can create the lives that we want to create. The capitalism that is evil is what happens when you have, for example, the example of Governor Newsom, where he's telling everyone to lock down, you can't be around each other, all these, you know, dictatorship type rules. And he's out there, you know, whining and dining on a $12,000 tax bill, you know, or taxpayer bill. And that's really what it is. And that's evil communist or capitalism. So we're seeing, and you see that, and these people at the top that we don't really know who they are, who are operating in the shadows behind the curtains, that they're going to benefit from this great reset as well. Um, because they're saying things like, oh, well, you won't own anything and you'll be so free. You'll just rent to own it. Well, who's going to make the money from the rent to own? So they're going to give you an income every month, but you're basically going to give it back to them through your rent to owning and paying your rent and, and all that kind of stuff. So you won't own anything. They're basically owning you. And that's how it works. It never works. It's too controlling. It's, it's, we've seen it time and time again in history and they always go after capitalism. They go after the people who are looking to make it and on their own. And, you know, let's take a quick look at the Nazis, Nazi Germany. You're not going to convince me that the reason that the true reason why they exterminated so many Jewish people was because of their religion. I don't think that's what it was. Um, I've seen a lot of different things on it. And if you, I always used to question that and my teacher could never really give me a solid, satisfying answer when I was learning about this in school. And I would think, you know, I would ask the question, to, you know, to myself, like all of these people in a lot of these people in, uh, or Jewish people in Germany and Holland and Europe, they often were, they, they were capitalists really. I mean, they were, had their craft and their trades and they had businesses and they, they were, a lot of them were so accomplished and I could, you know, and very artistic and things like that. I'm not saying every single one of them, but there were many of them who did well financially and they totally tried to exterminate all of them. And you still see like Jewish people today, they're very much the same. They, they build their own little, you know, um, they create businesses, they, 
they're just out there doing that. And, and so that, that hasn't changed a whole lot for them culturally, but I think they understand that they're free to do that now, but I'm not here to, I'm not here rewriting history or giving my opinion over that, but I believe that we've been misled, you know, misinformed, my apologies. We've been misinformed on the true reason for, um, you know, the extermination of Jewish people, because if we go back to the Soviet Union as well, they did the same thing. They were they were basically exterminating people who didn't cross over into Lenin's Bolsheviks revolution. And my family was in the Ukraine at the time, and they they were wealthy landowners, and they were being forced to join, give everything up and join or die. So what do you think they did? They saved every dime they could, and they got out, or else they would have had their heads chopped off. See, it's always about capitalism, and they're doing that right now. They're, people are out there speaking against capitalism, and oh, it's so evil. Yeah, their capitalism is evil, but not the individual who just wants to be their own boss and create their own you know, life and support their families or you know, and pay the bills and, and create the life that they want. Those those people are not evil. That's not evil capitalism. Okay. So I just wanted to kind of tie that in together. And just another final, you know, part of the bird's eye view of what's happening in the world. Um, in another corner of the earth, we look at New Zealand. So back on October 28th, which is again, so interesting. It's just before the election. We have the prime minister of New Zealand she comes on Fox News and she, Laura Ingram shared this on, um, you know, one of her show, her show on October 28th, New Zealand sets up mandatory quarantine camps for COVID patients. And I wanted to get the actual clip so you could hear her voice, but anyway, you can go find the clip or we'll link to it as well in the description so you can hear and see the smile, the evil grin on her face as she says it. Um, that basically if you refuse to test, they're going to put you in a 14 day quarantine camp. And if you still refuse to test, you're going to stay there for an additional 14 days. And she thinks that's such a great incentive. And I also was looking this up at that time. It didn't cost anything, but now people are questioning because now they're looking to charge for it. You see, it always, it's always tied to something. So you're going to force people to stay in a quarantine camp. You've basically shut down their economy and their livelihoods. And, and now you're going to force them to pay because you think they need to be there because they don't want to test. And there are some people who will walk away or just say, you know what, I'll just take the test so I can go back to my life. But here is the problem with that. It infringes on every single human right. Especially if the person doesn't need need to test and what, what doctor is saying that they need to test if they don't have any symptoms, if they're feeling fine, why should they test? And so what if they're feeling symptoms? I think we've gotten to that point now where we realize I myself, I believe I had COVID earlier in the year. I believe many other people I know they're saying the same thing. But we're still here to tell the tale, but we're also not in the high risk category, which it goes back to, well, we're not elderly with pre-existing conditions. But the problem is again, you know, and so we're not seeing, we're not seeing the information and the data and the numbers to say that this is justified, but forcing people, this is preliminary. This is preliminary to what they want. And it just goes back to their great reset. So with the great reset, what their plan is for agenda 2030, and it's all out there to find, you can find a lot of it through Klaus Schwab. They give you that universal basic income, but it will come at a cost eventually. They're going to ask people to hand it over, hand over their assets. They'll wipe out their debt in exchange for this universal basic income. But you must be vaccinated and you must carry your COVID vaccination pass. Do you have a choice? Not in their world. In their world, it's, well, if you don't choose to do this, we'll just lock you up and you'll be in isolation until you change your mind. Okay. And 
this is where they're headed. So the, the quarantine camps and quarantining and things like that, and they're all over. I mean, it's, it's kind of happening in different ways. Uh, in the state of Oklahoma, I found on uh, someone's Twitter here, when I actually looked this up for COVID quarantine camps, um, they said in Oklahoma schools are any kid, any child who's been, um, exposed to COVID in any way, they may not even have it. We know kids are low risk anyway. They are being isolated in a separate classroom. Now, I don't know about you, but again, that's not normal. I mean, what did we do when we had the flu and the cold going around, right? Some kids went to school, some didn't. Um, every time cold and flu season came, I mean, you could always expect that your kid would come home with a sniffle and things like that. Are we that afraid of illness, you know, that we're willing to stop living our lives? And are we that afraid of illness that, you know, we're not just stop living our lives, but we're going to give control to an invisible enemy that they don't actually have. Um, so I would actually have to say that one of the biggest problems here right now, um, and, and with a lot of people on Twitter, they're saying kind of the same things. Like there's no one has that they know of has died of COVID. And again, that's questionable. You know, some people, there's been very few cases where people actually died of COVID, but there are cases where people died of, you know, COVID probably exasperated their, um, their symptoms and made whatever their underlying autoimmune conditions definitely brought some of those out, um, for some people, but just like the cold and the flu, it did this, does the same thing every year. Um, and they've got quarantine and internment camps everywhere. Like they're setting this kind of idea up They're They're getting us prepared. They're doing it with kids in school, in some schools, not all, but some, they've got this going on here in, uh, New Zealand. They've got it going on here kind of in Italy. When you arrive in Italy, even though you test, you have to test, um, they still put you in quarantine for 14 days, which makes no sense. Um, they give you that choice. Well, if you don't, in some places, if you don't test, you quarantine for 14 days and they're starting to make that into outside facilities, separate areas. Okay. Uh, and so what they're really doing is they are conditioning everyone to accept that this will be the new normal that they want for us. Okay. And they're, they're also talking about this in for Canada as well, too. And actually Ontario, Doug Ford said that the government isn't really denying that they're going to be setting up COVID quarantine camps. I mean, <laughs> it's just, you know, if you get anything from this episode today, take a page out of the books of other countries right now and see what it is they want for the world, what they want for us in the U.S., and why the fight, why Donald Trump truly is standing in between us, sorry, standing between freedom and this worldwide domination and control. This is so important right now. That's why this fight for the election was so big. Why do you think the cheating had to happen on such a large scale? Because if they lose the U.S., that's going to be a problem. I think they're still going to go on with their plans. I think Donald Trump does throw a, a monkey wrench in there um, in the plans um, for the U.S. It will definitely prolong that. Um, but for the rest of the world, unfortunately, they don't have the same type of leadership as we can see. And so I'm just going to wrap this up and... Um, you know, one of the places you don't want to be getting this information from is the mainstream media, you know, with what's really interesting is with, um, the, uh, great reset talks and things like that, that people like Justin Trudeau and the queen and other people have come out and talked about what's really interesting is they broadcast all that stuff that they say, but now they're calling it a big nothing burger, a conspiracy theory, Oh, it's not really what it is. You know, it's not really be careful what you believe. And even Justin Trudeau's back, you know, walking or sorry, talking back what he originally said. 
oh, don't believe those conspiracies. That's not what we're doing. It's like, um, if you just go out and do some research, you'll see what they want in the Agenda 2030 plan. So I just want to wrap that up and leave it with you. Don't go to the mainstream media about anything anymore. You're just not going to get the truth. You're going to have to look at stations like ON, Newsmax. You're going to have to, you know, the X-22 report, great program um, as well. There's amazing Polly. She's on BitChute. Um, but there are so many. There's also here us at the Fringe following. There are so many other people reporting on actual information and what's happening around the world that those are the places we need to be looking because we're going to get actual information, facts, and truth, um, and probably different pieces of it and different perspectives. But I listen to several different perspectives because I don't want my narrative to be influenced by one, you know, one opinion or one direction. I think it's important that we do branch out and, you know, and this is what independent thinking is all about. And the mainstream media is not designed for independent thinking. Uh, I kind of joke, joked before, and I'm serious about it now, CNN to me, communist news network. Okay. Um, I think they all are, you know, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, any of the mainstream channels, you know, in Canada, they've got, um, or there's even um, ABC, CBS, there's um, in Canada, there's the uh, CBC, uh, they're government owned. And that was another thing that caused me to step away from mainstream media in general, but all of the mainstream media outlets that we are used to going to for information, we have to remember they're owned and funded by people we cannot see. We don't know exactly who they are. Yes. Some of it's been tied to Bill Gates and George Soros, but it goes on beyond that. And so if you want to control a narrative and you want to take control of people, what are you going to do? You're going to influence how they, the, you know, the flow of information. And that's exactly what they've been doing with everything. And that's why the messaging and the wording, it all sounds the same. It all sounds familiar because that's how communist is. Communism is. And, um, you just look back on history. I mean, even now, I mean, I was, I came on the show a while ago and talked about how I was shut down on social media. Anyone who talks any kind of truth they don't like, they they cancel you off of social media. I can't be my actual name on most social media channels now because they've made sure of that. Um, and you know, I wasn't even that severe in anything I said. I just said enough of the things that they don't like, and that and basically that communism doesn't like. And I've had weird things happen on telephone conversations. I often lose phone calls whenever I talk about any type of truth. There's someone listening in and watching all the time. And that is sort of the cost of the technology. This is what we've given up with tech. Um, they wanted to kind of lead in this direction eventually. And, and so it is really too bad and it's too, and it's, it's really sad so just keep these things in mind. Uh, be careful where you get your information from. Uh, take a look at the, the links that uh, I'll have in the description box and think about a lot of the things that I said today and um, see how Donald Trump ties in with everything that we're seeing happen right now uh, around the world. And uh, it really is eye-opening when you look at what's happening in other countries. You see what they want for us. You see their great reset plans. Um, playing out. And thankfully that's not going to happen in the U S. Um, and, uh, I just don't believe it will N definitely not in the immediate future. So we can definitely count our blessings there, but yes, we do see the dictators and, you know, the leaders that are coming out and, and sort of playing out those plans, but they won't be around for very long. They're not going to last much longer. The people have basically seen what's going on. And that's the truly amazing thing about giving power back to the people. And I believe no matter what your political persuasion is, Donald Trump has given power back to the people and has helped people to see, okay, I may not like the guy or whatever the case may be, but this is wrong what's happening and it's got to stop. And I've seen people from both sides of the aisle or even independents coming out and feeling exactly the same way. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, everyone, you take care. And also, if you like this episode, please 
do a like and a share and uh, subscribe if you haven't hit that subscribe button. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you on the next episode. Everyone be well and be safe and take care.